Hello and welcome to Motos and Friends, a weekly podcast brought to you by the editorial staff at Ultimate Motorcycling. I am Arthur Coldwells. This week we're dedicated to just one motorcycle, the new Harley-Davidson Electroglide Revival. Now, this is a limited edition machine, just 1,500 of them will be made, with the styling paying homage to the classic Electroglide of days gone by. This is a gorgeous machine. Don Williams got to ride the bike and is here to tell us all about it. I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, well, Don, hey, thanks for joining me. Um, I understand we're going to talk about the Harley-Davidson Electroglide Revival. This is a good-looking machine. Um, I'd imagine it rides pretty well, but you're the guy that spent time in the seat. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how it went? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I can kind of tell you about the Electric Glide Revival is that when I saw it, when Harley-Davidson, you know, sent out the press release board, I was thinking, oh, I love that motorcycle. That is so cool looking. I mean, everything about it was the way I want a big cruiser to look like. It's got the solo seat. It's got uh, beautiful blue paint. The fairing and the side bags are done in a paint to make it look like the old fiberglass because the revival is about bringing back 1969. This motorcycle is supposed to be, it's an homage to the 1969 electric ride revival. Obviously they don't try to replicate it because there's a lot of technology advances that have been made in the, in the interim that they uh, don't want to lose out on. And this bike doesn't lose out on them. It has all the high end parts and, uh, technology that Harley-Davidson has been putting into their latest motorcycles. So you kind of get the best of both worlds with this. You get the incredible 1969 style, but you get the 2021 ride. And also when I saw it, uh, I saw that it was a limited edition. There's 1,500 of them being made. And I really didn't think I'd get a chance to ride it. I figured I'd call up Harley-Davidson and say, hey, uh, we'd like to do a test on the Electric Glide Revival. And they'd say, yeah, that's nice. Uh, they're all sold out we have none for you. But much to my surprise and delight, they had one available. And so when I looked at it, I thought, what do I want to do with this? And I immediately thought, I got to go right out to see my dad in Williams, Arizona and show him this motorcycle because he'll love it. He's a former Harley Davidson owner. And I just knew he'd he'd love the bike. And it gave me an excuse to go right out there. So uh, I hopped on the bike and took off from Williams, Arizona. It's about 475 miles each way. I did a big loop on it. And uh, so I almost didn't double double track over anywhere. It was almost one big circular loop. And I got to really find out what the motorcycle is on everywhere from wide open desert roads to the tightest mountains in Arizona. And the, the real, the most important thing to know about the Electric Ride Revival is that it does not cater to the typical Harley Davidson uh, goal of making the shortest rider in the world happy. As we know, most motors, Harley Davidsons have very low seat height because they don't want anybody to feel like the motorcycle is too tall. Typically, Harley Davidson tries to appeal to the most riders by having a low seat height on all their motorcycles. In the case of the Electric Glide Revival, they threw that out. This solo seat that also has 
suspension. It has its own suspension. Even though you still have rear I was, suspension. I was going to say, it's got a suspended seat on it. That's, yes, really, there's a, that's really unusual. I mean, that's old school. Right. But it's not an old school suspension. Old school, they had springs. This is right. actually a shock with damping. And so it's it's a much more sophisticated than just, you know, you're boing and boing and boing up and down and you go down over a bump. So you get the, the typical Harley-Davidson rear suspension along with this uh, suspended with damping and spring seat. And the seat is four inches higher than the standard Electroglide. Now, four inches is a lot. Wow, that and, is a lot, yeah. Yeah, and when I, the night before I was going, I was like having, I'll call it, it weren't nightmares. I was having anxiety dreams about whether this was a good idea or not, or was I going to be able to ride this bike with this this tall seat, the, you know, this bike that weighs, you know, almost a ha half ton, 862 pounds with the uh, tank filled up. And it's over a half ton with me on it. And so I'm thinking, oh, and I'm going to be going across the desert and it's going to be hot. And you know, I can be able to do this. And it's like, of course, I get on the bike. The interesting thing about that seat height is that it completely changes the ergonomics of the motorcycle. As you would imagine, going up four inches on seat height changes yeah. a lot. So the bars, instead of them being kind yeah, of does tall. It, does, and it, does it lean you forward at all or lean you back? Or, or is it is the riding position pretty upright, just taller? Well, here's what it does. Because whenever you move the seat height, you're, you're changing the rider triangle, including the foot rests and the grips. That's true, yeah. So when you're standing, when you're sitting normally on a, an electric glide, you're sitting there, your feet are forward, bent a decent amount, and your arms are up. The, you, you reach up to the grips. And you're riding there, and you're kind of behind the windscreen. It kind of blocks your view a little bit, but not, not much. I mean, you can see where you're going, but it's, it's there in the field of view. Well, when you're all of a sudden four inches higher, those high bars are now about chest height. They're below your shoulders your chest height and your legs feel like they're dangling. It just feels like they're like hanging down there and then just <laughs> resting on the footrests. Now, when I see the pictures, it doesn't look like that. The bend of my knee is much more than I imagine it when I'm riding the motorcycle. Now, you know, I'm riding, it feels, it really does feel like your legs are down and it's, it's an interesting feeling at first. It's, it's almost like you're on a bar stool. Like you're sitting up on a bar stool, your legs are down, your arms are on the table. And you're riding, you know, 90 miles an hour across Interstate 10 towards the Colorado River. And also the wow. uh, the fairing is is lower. Instead of the fairing being up, it's down. But it's, you know, it's down, relatively speaking, four inches from where it would normally be in front of you. But th does that mean that your head is stuck up into the wind or, or is you would it? Think so. or you would think so. And this is. But it doesn't have a taller you, screen, so it's got a standard height screen. Yeah, the, you know, I didn't check that. the The windshield may be a little bit higher than the normal, you know, the little tiny windshield part. Maybe a little bit higher than normal, but it's still low. You know, you're way above it. You're not looking through it at all. And of course, this always depends on the size of the rider. You know, if LeBron James got on it, he'd have a different experience for me than if you know somebody considerably shorter than me got on it. So. You know, all these things about ergonomics are always very personal. But for me, at you know, five ten, I'm a pretty average-sized guy, which actually makes it makes it great for me being a motorcycle tester because I'm always kind of the ideal body type for the what they're trying to set the bike up for. So, 
even though it was unusual, I really quick, you know, I quickly grew to like it. I mean, it was really comfortable. Your legs aren't cramped in any way. Your, your arms aren't getting tired from being up in the air. They're, they're sitting down and the wind is still kicking up enough over you that uh, you're not really getting pounded by the wind. Now, having said that, I had, I had to look cool, of course, because that's my job and that's my avocation is looking cool. So I wore a Bell bullet helmet. Now, this is one of Bell's retro helmets. It doesn't, it looks like a 1960s helmet. And to me, it's like, oh, if I'm going to ride this 1960s looking motorcycle, I have to have the appropriate helmet. So instead of wearing a nicely quiet Arai or HJC that would be the perfect helmet from a practical standpoint, I had to look cool. And that Bell <laughs> bullet helmet is loud. Even with earplugs in, it was louder than the HJC you know, an HTC ARFA or an Arai, pick your Arai helmet would be with no earplugs. It was loud. <laughs> so it was kind of a, you know, it was like, I kept thinking, did my earplugs fall out? And every time I'd stop, I go, nope, they're still there. You know? So I can only imagine what riding that motorcycle would be like without earplugs, without helmet. But anyway, uh, the, so the ergonomics are really the story of the electric glide revival other than the looks i mean the looks speak for themselves i don't need to tell anybody that that blue paint job is beautiful that the white does make the the fairing and the bags look like fiberglass that the solo seat is just totally iconic 50s 60s just looks tremendous and everywhere i went on that motorcycle people remark they oh that looks cool oh what a great bike oh wow how is it what's it like oh i love that motorcycle when i was in williams Arizona, I mean, I, I was at, the white wall tires and the spoked wheels i mean it really does it really does look spectacular so so is there i mean you said that just you i mean clearly it is just a single seat is there any any sort of accessory way to carry a passenger or is this just a hey it's it's a one-up ride there may be a way to do it, but to me, that would be like putting another person in the Mona Lisa. You just <laughs> don't want to do that. If you want to ride, they have other motorcycles for you to buy that will accommodate two people. Don't mess this one up with some cockamamie idea of sticking a, a passenger seat <laughs> on it. I, I will personally come and remove it. <laughs> that, I mean, seriously, they made, they made 1,500 of these to look like this, and to do something like that would really be right i i agree yes a crime against nature i i do agree i love like the uh uh well i suppose it would be a handrail that runs around the back of the seat that sort of you know the retro chrome handrail that is really cool it just and it gives that seat the, the sort of the retro look i think back in the day that seat was able to accommodate two people um but i don't know it just it, it looks really good yeah I, I like it a lot i have to say yeah, I mean, I had a guy come up to me. I was taking a, a picture in front of a, a in Williams. They, Williams is a, a Route 66 type of town where they really fixed it up to make it look like the old Route 66 because it was on their old Route 66. So it was easy for them to, to do that. And I had the bike set up for a photo in front of a hotel. And uh, this guy comes up to me, goes, oh, God, I love this bike. And, and he was complaining to me that he had a, a Harley Davidson Road King on back order and he had been waiting months to get it i said this is the bike you want wow and he's like oh well you know it's kind of expensive and it's twenty nine thousand dollars so it's about eight seven or eight 
depending on what he how he had the road king outfit it's thousand dollars more but i could tell that the gears were turning in his head that this might be a way to get a motorcycle sooner <laughs> even if he had to pay and that he would he would prefer this to a road king and you know everybody has their own taste and i do love the road king i road king to me is an iconic motorcycle that that it's one of those motorcycles where if you showed it to somebody they would go well that's a motorcycle like that's their or if somebody who didn't know about motorcycles was was going to show you what a motorcycle looked like they would pick that as, as an example of a motorcycle right and so this this bike is like a beautiful motorcycle so he was he was quite taken with it and right. the other time that was really interesting i was at a restaurant and i had it parked in front of the restaurant and this family was coming out and this little girl maybe six seven five whatever she looks at the motorcycles and she looks at me and she goes i love your motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> you know ultimately that's why you buy a bike like this because you want people to come up to you and tell you how awesome it looks and that's a fun part of, of owning it you know if, if you want to be under the radar this is not the motorcycle to buy but right. from a practical standpoint it's also a super fun bike to ride now going across the desert you know you go at full speed because uh there's no reason to go at 40 miles an hour to smell the flowers because the view looks the same at 40 or 80. so you're you're going at full speed the motorcycle as is all as are all the harley touring models these days rock solid you know since the rushmore update the, the beefier front end and swing arm and uh frame the bike is super stable you can go 100 miles an hour on it all day long and it's not gonna make you feel like you're fighting it when there's side winds i actually felt the wind but the bike was stable <laughs> it was really great uh when i'm on the two lane roads out in the middle of the arizona desert and trucks are coming semi trucks are coming at me at a closing speed of 150 miles an hour when they go by the bike didn't seem to even notice Again, I personally felt a bit of blast and a little bit of move around, but the bike does not move. The electric glide revival just is not put off by anything. Now, once I got up into the mountains where the that's it was that, tight. That's actually impressive. I mean, even I mean with a handlebar mounted fairing like the batwing fairing, that's that's impressive. I mean, you know, I'd you know, I I'd, I'd believe that with you know with like the road glide with a with a fair um, with a, a chassis mounted fairing, but uh, but on a, with a handlebar mounted fairing, that's really impressive that it just seems to just shake off any kind of wind blast. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a surprise to me, but I you know I I I felt it and it was great and it just makes for a much more enjoyable and safe and comforting ride. Now, when I got up to the mountains, they were twisty. They were real twisties. These are bike. These are you said. Oh wow! I wish I had my Ducati Street Fighter up here or whatever. They're 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 tight. The turns are 10, 15, 20 miles an hour. Some of them, and and there's no fast straights. It's it's all turns from coming up to Williams from the south. And I uh, I noticed that you are sitting higher, and so. You really had to get used to that high center of gravity. You're used to a Harley. You kind of you're way down low and you're dragging everything, and the center of gravity is low, so you have a lot of confidence. On the Electric Glide Revival, you're sitting up high, and it has a bit of a pendulum feel to it. Like when you start to lean over, you're start not sure like if you're going to be able to stop it. Like oh, you know. And so it took me a while to kind of grow into 
the different handling of it. And it doesn't handle the twisties as good as a regular Electroglide, no doubt about it. Because when you raise the center of gravity, that's not the way to make it handle better. But it was fine. You know, I, I, I found that I wasn't dra dragging the uh, floorboards as often as I would probably on a, a standard Electroglide. And that's a good thing, really. And so it, it, it was fine. But you, it, it slows you down because of the, the kind of uneasy feel of the high center of gravity. Now, when it comes time to pack a car, and I was passing the number of cars on those roads, and there's not a lot of straights, that uh, Milwaukee 8114 is there. And that's a fantastic motor. And when you get on the throttle, it passes. Anybody that you want to pass, the torque is just outstanding from whatever RPM you're at, you, you're going you're gonna to move. And so uh, the 114 is, is another piece of that revival puzzle. I mean, back then they did nothing like 1969 when the bike does a pattern after and nothing like the Milwaukee like the 8 114. Like the old shovel head, yeah. <laughs> right, this, this, is, this is serious power. And again, it was nothing for me to take it up to 100 miles an hour and cruise across the desert out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it was a closed course. I had the police block off the road, of course. I wasn't breaking any laws. <laughs> but you, uh, uh, pres Presumably, it comes with uh, cruise control and all of that good stuff. Yeah, and I used the cruise control, and the cruise control was, you know, you just kind of rest your hands on the bars. And again, even with wind, trucks coming the other way, I didn't feel the need to, you know, have the death grip on the bars when they hit. The first couple of times, I'm like, okay, here comes the truck. How's it going to be? I was like, oh, that was nothing. And then you just kind of learned that it's not going to be a problem. And, you know, the suspension's fine for normal roads. Uh, you know, the California roads are a little bit less well-maintained than Arizona. So you, you hit a couple bumps and you feel it, but I never really felt the bike bottom out or anything like that. It just, or even jolt me in a really negative way. And part of that's the seat. The seat's super comfortable, by the way. I put 450 miles on the bike pretty much without stopping both directions. I did not stop for lunch or anything. All I stopped for was to get gas, including gas that cost almost seven bucks a gallon off of interstate <laughs> 40. <laughs> yeah. There's a definitely a gas one. There's a gas station and they even say, please don't complain about the price. We're a hundred miles from anything. It costs, this costs a lot of money to get anything delivered here. If you think it's too expensive, go somewhere else. Right. And so, which I respect, and I didn't complain, but I did take a picture and post it on Facebook because that was expensive gas. But you know, you're on a motorcycle. You don't. I I've never worried about the price of gas when I ride a motorcycle. You know, it's like it's going to cost me another forty cents or eighty cents or whatever. I for two dollars. You know, I'm riding a thirty thousand dollar motorcycle. Oh, that gas cost me an extra two dollars and fifty cents. Okay, you know, you've right. got a problem there. Yeah. Like, what's first first world problems i mean exactly so yeah so i yeah. okay yes and i don't know what the mileage it gets at the speeds i was going but there were gas stations you know i would always get gas well before i needed it so that i didn't end up right. needing it right. and so uh so is there, just, is there is there anything else on the bike that that is different from a standard electric light i mean or is this is this just a, a sort of a cosmetic a cosmetic sort of treatment with the seat. I mean, clearly, with well, the, have they done anything else? Yeah. Well, this year, the only other electric light is the, the standard, as you, as you call right. it, but that's actually called the standard. And that's 
really it means the stripped down electric light because it doesn't have a radio doesn't have you know it doesn't it has none of the accoutrements you expect it's, it's a bike that's designed to sell to customizers so that it right. has as, as few goodies on it as possible so that you can put your own on without paying for anything you don't need this bike has everything it has the boom box uh, stereo which is completely useless on the open road i it's it turned <laughs> out i i made it a, a uh a playlist of 1969 music, Creedence, <laughs> Rolling Stones, Beatles, Stooges, you know, Velvet Underground. And I'm, I never heard it. And I was like, think this thing doesn't even work. And then I stuck, I leaned forward, but I did have this. Remember I had a full face helmet and earplugs in, right. but out on the highway, I, I stuck my head down next to the speaker and I could hear that it was actually playing something. <laughs> so, you know, I, you're not going to hear, yeah, I don't know where you're going to listen to that. I don't listen to music when I'm riding a motorcycle because to me, the music is the sound of the wind and the sound of the motor. So I, I don't want to hear anything other than that. But you. Every, you know, every, other people do, and that's great, you know. And but I would have it would have been fun to listen to the 1969 music while I was going. But uh, I know what it sounds like, so I could kind of hear it in my head anyway. It does also have the Harley Davidson's Reflex Defensive Rider System. RDRS for short. It's, of course, everybody's going to okay. remember that. All right. uh, but that gives you uh, uh, ABS that's cornering aware. You know, people don't even probably know that Harley Davidson has that now, but they do. You know, but again, when I'm riding a Harley Davidson, I'm not riding on that edge. Now, if something goes wrong, you're like you're happy to have that there. It's not something you're going to tap into. It's got traction control. Yeah, if you're downshifting too fast, it has a, a slipper clutch type of effect where it does it with the motor instead of doing it with the slipper clutch. Uh, you know, it, like I guess probably reduces, you know, opens the valves so that, you know, you don't get as much compression. And yeah, I, think, be, uh, I think MV Agusta used to do that way back when, when slipper clutches were first invented. They did a similar sort of thing. I mean, I think they sort of opened one injector or something and, and just goose it just a little bit. It's very, it's yeah, very that makes though. I'm, I'm sure this is a lot more sophisticated system now, though. Yeah, it's got the vehicle hold. So if you're at a light, you can, and not just on a hill, but you can grab the brake and hold it in, and then the bike won't roll, which it no. seems kind of dumb in a way. Now, on hills, it makes sense. But once you kind of get used to using it, I kind of like it. You know, it just, it's, it's one of those features that you don't understand the value of it until you integrated into your riding and then you go oh yeah that's pretty cool i'm glad i have that and right. it's also got the tire pressure monitoring but you know I, it's a new bike and the tires were holding air <laughs> so i didn't have any problems with that right. so yeah they have so uh actually the harley davidson rep asked me about it and i said well you know none of that stuff ever made itself aw me aware of it which right. is really what you want except for the the vehicle hold you know the hill holds so you hold the brake but everything else just happens so maybe i was using the abs and i didn't know it i certainly didn't feel like any pumping through the brakes uh and i when i'm downshifting i mean it's like i know how to downshift i'm not doing any kind of ham-fisted maneuvers but whenever i downshifted in the mountains i didn't feel like it was doing something to stop the rear end from skidding but maybe it was and i was just getting lucky but you know i'm a fan of all these things and not, in yeah, this case I they're agree. truly yeah they're truly uh transparent you can't you don't there's no buttons to turn there's not eight levels of traction control and seven levels of wheelie control and all. 
it's not like that. It's just on. Right. And so you don't worry. I, there may be a way to turn the traction control off. Why you would do that, I have no idea. Right. But uh, and, and, and actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, on the way home, I was looking for a shortcut through uh, the Adelanto area and looking at GPS. Anyway, I ended up on a dirt road for a bit, maybe a quarter mile or so. <laughs> and I never heard the felt the traction control kicking in. You know, I was going slow. I can say that this is an adventure bike, just like the uh, Pan America. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am tooling down on this $30,000 beautifully painted bike. I'm thinking, don't drop it in the dirt. That How do you explain that to anybody? So fortunately, <laughs> I didn't. And I was able to turn around and get back to the pavement. But it was a hot day, and I was trying to save time. And of course, I ended up probably costing myself another half hour. But uh, uh, the bike was great. Oh. Ah, the, speaking of the hot day, that is there is one little caveat about the ergonomics of that motorcycle. When you normally sit on the Harley Davidson electric glide, you're sitting low, your knees are forward, your right knee is out by the air cleaner. When they move the seat up four inches, your legs are now, of course, much straighter. Now my knee is behind the air cleaner and right next to the valve cover of the rear cylinder. Now, for most of my riding, that wasn't a problem. And I just never even kind of noticed it. it was just part of, actually I could have my legs in a little bit more. It was a little comfortable. But when it was, I was doing about 90 uh, in 90 degree heat <sighs> and going up a, a grade in the desert, because people who don't live in California, they, they might kind of think of the desert as being flat, but really the desert is a series of valleys. You're almost always going either way down or way up. Right. And the, the hills are long, long hills. So I'm going at a good clip on a hot day. And every, all of a sudden, it would like, and I'm wearing uh, uh, Cortec, you know, Kevlar jeans. I'd be like, ow. And my, my leg felt like it was burning. And so I moved <laughs> my leg out for a while. I move it back. And, and this happened a number of times. I was like, ooh. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Now that's hot. And when I got home, I had four second degree burns on my up, you know, my just below my knee on my, you know, kind of upper calf. Okay. Where it was, you know, it, it didn't damage the pants. Well, some of, <laughs> pants some, were of the, fine. some of the antique bikes used to have sort of heat shields that mounted sort of there. I mean, certainly I, I know, uh, you know, old Indians and things. To sort of literally to keep your leg away from from that rear cylinder so maybe there's going to be some sort of aftermarket thing that you could maybe just kind of bolt on that'll look in keeping and might help help you know just sort of stave that off a bit yeah i mean harley davidson was definitely interested in my experience you know they can only test a bike like that so much Right, you know, it's not sure. going to go through extensive. Oh, let's go take it out to the desert, you know. Yeah, of course, yeah, and, and ride it up a hill. And that's all it never did it just riding around when I was at a normal speed on flat ground, never got hot. But when I was pushing it, it got, and then I started thinking, of course, you're out in the middle of the desert, you're like, oh, I hope the engine's not gonna like let go because <laughs> it's too hot. But it didn't, it ran perfectly, you know, not almost almost a thousand miles in you know hard high speed miles in two days i didn't you know i did some mountain stuff but most of it was was flat out across the desert and i wouldn't say flat out but you know high speed across the desert and it was it was great i mean i really 
truly enjoyed riding that motorcycle. I liked wherever I went. Oh, I, uh, oh. <laughs> another thing I did, right. it, the gas can, the gas, uh, the gas tank, it keeps the gas cap under this little cover. Okay. So you open the cover and then you unscrew the gas cap, which is not attached. And then you take the gas cap and you put it on at the first stop in Redlands. I put the gas cap on top of the gas pump and I filled it up. And then I closed the little lid and rode off. All right. Of course, that gas cap is still sitting there on top of the, the, the pump. So I'm riding along, no problem. Get to the next gas stop, wherever that was, right, oh, right as I got into Arizona, because I didn't want to pay California t- prices. And I opened the thing up. There's no gas cap. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's in Redlands. And that's, you know, a couple hundred miles back. I guess I'm not going to be going back for that. So I was out in the middle of nowhere on us 60 in arizona and i pull into a napa auto parts place out in the middle of nowhere it's like this guy and so there's nobody in the place except for the people that work there i said yeah you wouldn't happen to have a harley davidson gas cap would you and they said uh let me go look and they had a harley davidson gas cap unfortunately it was for a totally different kind of gas cap this is like a screw-on one that was one of those ones where you just push it in and then turn it 90 degrees and it locks in okay that didn't work so i i go back out and I said, yeah, they look, they come out and look at it. And then they're like, oh, look at this motor. Oh, that's a beautiful motorcycle. And the guy from the repair shop next door comes over. Oh, look at this. Oh, wow. That's so cool. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, I'm, I'm the celebrity from California. So the guy looks at it, goes back in, comes back, goes, try this. Anyway, a Chevrolet gas cap works. <laughs> so for 10 bucks, boom, Chevrolet gas cap screws right in. I'm good to go. I have no idea what a Harley Davidson gas cap would have cost me, but I bet it's more than 10 bucks. Right. So, uh, and if Harley's listening, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell uh, Alan yeah. at the fleet center that I changed the gas cap. Uh, right. Hopefully he'll notice that. <laughs> Replace it with a proper Harley one. It was a little bit bigger. You had to turn it just right to close the lid back up, but it worked, you know, and I used it the rest of the rest of the trip. But uh, so anybody out there, if you have those kind of screw in Harley gas caps, Chevrolet is compatible and will and will work. And so that was that was a nice little. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was I was happy to not have just it open, you know, gas underneath there. Yeah, for uh, sure, for sure. But the but, but you know I'm used to as most of us are now. Usually the gas cap is attached to the motorcycle, or you have to have the key in the gas cap. Right. You know, so it kind of threw me off for both, and you know that gas caps. It's probably still there in Redlands. If I go out and out there, it's probably still on top of the. <laughs> next time, next time you take a trip going there to see your, to see your right. dad, just stop off at the same station. <laughs> yeah. In fact, when I was when I stopped there, the guy that was, uh, you know, somebody that makes delivers chips or something at the at the convenience store there, you know, he goes, "Oh, oh that's a beautiful bike." You know, <laughs> everywhere you go, that motorcycle draws positive attention. Nobody said, "Uh, why would you buy that?" Everybody does it, loves does that it, motorcycle. Does it come in? Does it come in any other colors? I mean, I'm looking at the sort of the blue and uh, the blue with a slight black on it. Does it come in anything else? Are they planning to bring it in anything else? Nope, that's it. You will get it in blue, and you will like it in blue. And <laughs> uh, in preparation for my trip, I, I watched the movie Electroglide in Blue, which is right. a Robert Blake movie from 1973, okay. and. Uh, I highly recommend it if you like those offbeat '70s counterculture movies. Sure. You know, if you like, if you like something like Easy Rider, which was actually '60s, but if you like Easy Rider 
Sure. Or any of those kind of strange movies. Actually, uh, actually, that... our podcast guest from a couple of episodes back, Stephen Marcus, the uh, the actor, um, Electric Guide in Blue was his inspiration for learning how to ride a motorcycle. Oh, that's <laughs> that's that's interesting. Uh, I, I won't ruin anything, but the the, the lead character is Robert Blake, and yeah. he's a motorcycle. He's an uh, Arizona officer. Culture. Right, but like CHP, not CHP, AHP, whatever they call it there. Right. Uh, he's out in the middle of nowhere. Out in, seems like Monument Valley looking for the pictures, and he's just riding on these straight roads back and forth. He actually hates riding the motorcycle. <laughs> you know, he, he his, the whole the point of the movie is he wants to get off that duty and, and become a detective. But the guy who the, – the movie title came from one of his partners – who rides a motorcycle but his dream was to get an electric light in blue that was what he uh -huh. wanted for his personal bike so okay. and i remember that movie as a kid and i ride dirt bikes as a kid so you know that didn't appeal to me as a movie to see i didn't see it till just now uh yeah but no, i'm I've, glad I've, i saw I've it heard, i've certainly heard of it but i'm not sure i've seen it i might yeah, I totally, I have done it's a long time ago if you saw it you would remember it it's one of those you know it's a strange movie Sort of so iconic, you wouldn't go yeah. what yeah and and, and the, there's a there's a great motorcycle there's one motorcycle chase in it and there's famous riders like bud eakins and former desert racer jn roberts and a bunch of famous guys riding the bike so it's, that's kind of cool too but it's not really it's not really a motorcycle movie it's it's a counterculture movie right and so but it's it's there's plenty of motorcycles in it which makes it more fun of course right. but uh i i if you like motorcycles yeah you probably would like seeing the movie and, and it's, it's worth it's worth watching and it was it was free on amazon prime so i couldn't beat the price <laughs> well cool okay well it sounds like the the, the harley uh, revival is a really sounds an awesome bike actually it sounds really sounds like it sort of hit the mark if it's your kind of thing. I mean, I noticed from, you know, the comments on our on our web story that lots of people are asking, oh, is it going to come with a passenger option? Which was the first thing I, I asked. But I can I get your point. I can see why it won't have that option. And I get it. So uh, so I guess the answer to our readers is uh, no, it won't come with that. And uh, go get yourself a different bike if <laughs> you, you want to ride you up right and also this 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 is part of the new harley davidson icons collection okay uh, this is the first one and i don't they haven't announced any of the others so there's going to be more motorcycles like this coming out that are you know that have some sort of you know catch to them where you go oh it's a 1969 electric light oh that's cool okay so the next one might be who knows what you know it's not like they haven't done that before they had the sportster 76 which I thought was great, but boy, that bike came and went fast. So I was the only person <laughs> that liked it apparently. And, but the 48, which I didn't like as much as 76 has, has lasted a long time. And is one of, is the main, is one of the last remaining sportsters. So this is not a new concept. They had a 48, they had a 76. This could have been called a 69, but they decided to call it a revival. And, you know, they got the new guy in charge and he's doing it his way. And, if this is an example of what he's going to be doing, then he's going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm on his side. Cause I think that this is a, a cool kind of motorcycle that I, I love for them to put out. And it's something that you're kind of only going to get from Harley yeah. in a way, you know, you're not, you don't see something like this from Honda yeah. or Yamaha. 
It's great. It's great. They only have to, and they only have to sell fifteen hundred of them. It's not like they're putting out, you know, you know, right. sort of fifty thousand. They're not. The future isn't going to depend on this motorcycle. It's a very niche product, and but I think everybody, even people that don't buy it and don't even want to buy it, are still going to say, you know, I, I, I think it's cool. I recognize that it's cool. Not my kind of thing, but it's cool and I love it. So yeah, yeah. In fact, one of my people, friends who don't doesn't really they don't like cruisers or you know touring bikes like that. He goes. That is a cool motorcycle. <laughs> they, he, he had to admit that, yeah, that's, that's great. It is. You know? It's got that iconic and look so, with all the, the modern Harley stuff on it. So that's awesome. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks. I appreciate your thoughts on it. And, uh, hey, maybe I'll get to have a ride of one sometime myself. Uh, yeah, probably uh, not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> it's, 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 it gets back to them and, you know, it's only going to be this one year. So it, it's, it's, it's gone. But uh, if you live long enough, you know, the one of the collectors of the future will have it, and then you can ride it and go, "Oh yeah, that's what it was like back then." <laughs> okay. All right, Don. Hey, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. I'll uh, I'll talk to All you right. soon. All right. See ya. Bye. Okay. Bye.